20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. And welcome back to another episode of a Pack a Day podcast. Wherever you may be and however you may be listening, thank you so much for making us part of your day. My name is Nick Schmitz, and I will be your host today. And you had a break from myself and Jacob last week. It was just Maggie, as far as the podcast team is concerned. Um, but uh, stuck with us, the three of us, yet again for another week. It's been the first time, I think, in about three or four weeks that all three of us have been here. Uh, so this is, this is exciting. It's, um, it's the middle of August. We don't have preseason games, so that's kind of weird to be sitting here on August 13th and not have watched a single preseason football game. I don't know about you guys out there listening. I've been watching... Of the sports that have returned, I've been watching hockey the most. Um, And so, real quickly, we're not here to talk hockey, let me tell you that much. But, um, Jacob, Maggie, since sports have started to slowly come back, end of July, beginning of August, is there a sport that you've been watching more than others? Have you guys been, you know, Jacob, I know that you have been without power most of this week and continue to be without power as we do this. So thank you for making the effort through your phone, honestly, truly. Um, but Maggie, any sports you've been watching in particular now that they've slowly started to come back here? Yeah, I've been mostly watching the Brewers. I keep them on um, most days when I'm home in time. Well, I guess I'm always home, but when I'm not quote unquote working, um, so I catch the Brewers uh, when I can. Yesterday was the first time I got to catch a Bucks game in a while. So um, got to see the Giannis headbutt, and that was <laughs> the highlight of my Bucks watching recently. So I think it's just probably better when I don't get to tune into other Wisconsin sports. I've got a lot of luck watching Packer games live um, and on TV, but I guess when I tune into the Brewers and Bucks, bad things happen. So I should probably stop doing that. All right. And Jacob, I know, like I said, you've been without power for some of this week, but um, any sports in particular that you've been watching as they, have they, as they have slowly started to come back here? Well, I sat in the car last night with my phone on the charger so I could watch the Yankees and the Braves play each other. So, I mean, thank God for the invention of smartphones and data collection, which I'm probably going to blow out of the water this billing cycle. But yeah, I haven't had power since Monday. And they're saying it's not going to be back until Saturday. So some true first-world problems going on over here. Uh, I've watched all the sports that are important. So the NBA and Major League Baseball, I've watched all of that as much as I can. Uh, I've watched the Bucks play a bunch. I've watched the Mavericks play. Luka Doncic is a lot of fun to watch, obviously. Um, and anytime there's been a baseball game on TV, I found a way to catch it. Like I've, I watched enough of the, the rerun sports that I feel like I could quote them chapter and verse the entire way through. So it's nice to see some stuff on TV and my apologies to the inferiority complex hockey fans that are sure to come from my throat right now, but I haven't watched a second of hockey because I never do. Well, at least you're staying consistent to that. So, and by the way, um, great dedication. I don't know if I would go sit in my car with my phone on a charger to watch a sporting event. So I can do all things for Aaron judge. (laughs) Well, I, I suppose when it's for a team that you enjoy, but, um, yeah, kudos to you for doing that, and also kudos to your wife for allowing you to do that. Um, I don't, I don't know how she felt about that. We don't need to get into that, but just kudos to her for allowing you to do that. So, um, well, that's 
Uh, obviously, we're not here to talk about other sports. We're here to talk about the Packers. And as uh, if you've been listening the last few days, we've been going through breaking down position by position. So today, uh, Maggie, Jacob, and myself, we're going to be going over the tight end room uh, for the Packers for this upcoming season. So currently on the roster, there are six tight ends. Evan Bayless, uh, Josiah DeGuara, the rookie uh, out of Cincinnati. Mercedes Lewis, Big Dog Lewis, back for his 15th season. He's like 38 or 39 coming into the year, something like that. Uh, you have James Looney, Jay Sternberger, the uh, second-year tight end who has – everybody's got high hopes for him after, um, you know, the way the tight end room looked last year, being a rookie and whatnot. And then you also have Robert Tanyan. Um, so those are the six tight ends in the tight end room. Obviously, Jimmy Graham no longer with the team – sure there's lots of mixed emotions about that um but uh so we'll start off with probably um what i would consider to be the front runner for the quote-unquote starting job um i would assume maggie and jacob that you would agree that it's probably sternberger's job to maybe lose i would assume maybe that Tanyan's going to battle him a little bit, but I mean, as we look at this tight end room, is it fair to say that as of today, August 13th, not that Sternberger will be the starter, but if you had to kind of make a prediction about who the quote-unquote starter would be, uh, Jacob, is it fair to say that Sternberger is going to, would would look to be the starter as of August 13th? Uh, he better be, uh, and that's with all due respect to Mercedes Lewis and the other guys, but Mercedes doesn't threaten in the passing game. Uh, he's a run blocker, and that's fine. That has value in this offense. Uh, they've talked about Jace all offseason, saying that he's a, a mismatch, a matchup weapon that they can use in the passing game, somebody who can stretch the seam and make plays in the passing game and all over the field. I really think that their vision long-term is that Jace Sternberger and Josiah DeGuara can become maybe a, a lesser man's version of Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, just to use that example from the Eagles that have two high picks invested in tight ends like that. Um, I think that overall, Sternberger is the most talented player. This is a team that hasn't had consistent production at the tight end position since Jermichael Finley's career tragically ended uh, at Lambeau Field in 2013. They had that one short eight-game sabbatical of Jared Cook, and really it's been a whole lot of empty since. It's something they've been trying to address since that time happened. You've seen it. They've signed somebody whose name I won't mention. He wore number 80, and then they cut him, and then they went with uh, Jimmy Graham for a couple of years after getting Jared Cook uh, in the in the fold, like I mentioned. And then they've spent back-to-back third-round picks on tight ends. I think that's their, their hope and their plan is that Sternberger and DeGuara can really – the matchup problems for the foreseeable future and able to throw the ball off play action passes in run formations. You've heard them talk a lot about, you know, using two tight ends and being less predictable in terms of their formations. I think you'll see less 11 personnel, less three, four, five wide receivers, more two and three tight ends. And I think if they, if you've got some honesty out of the coaching staff in the, the front office, you would hear them say that they in a perfect world would like Jay Sternberger and Josiah DeGuara to take that bull by the horns this year. And they can slowly kind of phase Mercedes Lewis as into even more of a role player than he already is. But ultimately Mercedes Lewis is definitely going to get some snaps as well. But if you want a quote unquote starter, I hope it's Jay Sternberger. 
because I think he's the most talented player of the four guys that you met, or well, six guys that you mentioned, four that I think they'll keep on the roster. All right. Well, and then Maggie, we talk about Mercedes Lewis. Um, obviously, he's as Jacob alluded to, more of a role player than necessarily the guy that you're going to be relying on on a down-to-down basis. Um, and he's also, at this point, not much of a receiving threat. Not that he can't, but um, more there for the run game, blocking game. But I want to talk about him, Mercedes Lewis, and then also Robert Tanyan. As, you know, Robert Tanyan was seen as somebody last year who was, you know, maybe somebody that could have a more of a step-up year. I don't know if I want to use the word breakout year, but step up, be more involved in the offense. Obviously, injuries limited some of that, but um, where does Robert Tanyan fit in, and what is, as far as being a younger player who, you know, maybe has the potential to step up and be more part of the offense, as well as Mercedes Lewis, who obviously is on the back end of his career, um, given that they're kind of in the same role in the sense that they're both – well, I guess just given the fact that the two of them on the roster, uh, where do they fit in as far as the rest of the depth chart? Because obviously um, they're probably the next two guys in line, Mercedes Lewis having the obvious um, experience in the field, and then obviously probably wanting to get Tanya going a little bit if possible. Where do they fit in with this offense this year? Yeah, I mean, I think we've talked a lot about how Matt LaFleur wants this offense to be multiple. He wants it to be versatile. Um, So I think you'll see 22, you'll see 12. You might even see a little bit of 13 uh, personnel. Like, they'll get multiple tight ends on the field at the same time. So whether that's Mercedes Lewis and Jay Sternberger, Jay Sternberger and Josiah DeGuara, uh, Mercedes Lewis and Rob Tanyan, kind of however they choose to bring out different packages we're going to see multiple tight ends. So I think that there will be plenty of opportunities, even for, you know, your third and fourth guys um, to get into that rotation. But, you know, I think Mercedes Lewis was brought back one as a mentor to, you know, the young guys in the room and two, he has a good relationship with Rogers three. He's a great blocker. So I think he just kind of aligns with what the Packers are looking for, but the expectation for him is obviously not that he's, you know, going to have like a, a 10 touchdown season as kind of his ride off into the sunset. So I think he's just there as that uh, versatile player for Matt LaFleur, who's almost more of a a locker room mentor to the young guys than he necessarily is around for his impact on the field. Um, But I think, you know, it's a big opportunity for Robert Tanyan too, at this point, Jay Sternberger, um, we're expecting a lot, you know, Jacob said, obviously that he's tight end one, you expect him to be, You would hope that he takes that jump going into year two. But Josiah DeGuara is now learning a brand new offense. He had a virtual offseason program. It's hard to acclimate to tight end in the NFL. So I think there's a real big opportunity here for uh, Robert Tanyan to at least initially kind of play into that TE2 role until Josiah gets more comfortable. And honestly, they'll probably be utilized in a number of different ways, too, where don't really see Robert Tanyan lining up as an H-back ever, but it definitely is something that I think we'll see from Josiah DeGuaro. So kind of that position versatility within the tight end role as well. Well, and Jacob, Maggie mentioned Josiah DeGuaro here. And so a couple of things with him. So obviously Sternberger wasn't as much of a part of the offense last year due to the fact that he spent the first half of the season on injured reserve. Um, 
coming back in midseason. Obviously, that was part of the fact that he was, uh, you know, a rookie. So different factors there. Josiah DeGuara faces somewhat of a different circumstance in the fact that as of right now, not injured. You hope that he stays that way. But as Maggie mentioned, you know, a virtual offseason, he's not getting any preseason games. At this point, who knows what he's getting as far as practice on the field. So if he stays healthy, you know, which, again, you hope, what does the lack of preseason games and how practice might be different and the fact that as much as, you know, you want him to be able to get reps in the offense – He's still sitting behind Sternberger, who is, again, going to be the first priority for it. So is he going to have, just due to the situation, somewhat of a, I don't want to say lost season, but is it going to be harder for him clearly to prove himself and get into the lineup faster sitting behind the other three guys that we've already talked about? Uh, yeah, uh, part of the reason, because of the stuff you mentioned, he also has a lot of hats that he's going to wear. I mean, he's going to play tight end. I think calling him a fullback is disingenuous. Uh, a lot of people that are saying that are saying that because they don't like the fact that the Packers picked him. And that's, I mean, I understand maybe not being too enthralled with picking Josiah DeGuar in the third round, but he's not fullback. He's going to play tight end and he's going to move all over. If Josiah DeGuar is a fullback, so is Jay Sternberger because Jay Sternberger played in the backfield last year too. So on that note, everybody shut up. Secondly, to answer your question directly, I think that, it's hard. Tight end is one of those positions is hard enough to make that transition into the NFL. You look at Jermichael Finley, it took him almost into his third full season before he did anything as far as making an impact. Uh, there's a lot of examples of players like that. It just takes a while for tight ends to make those kinds of impacts, and especially immediately uh, in the NFL. So overall, I think you can set your expectations for DeGuara as TE4, uh, and then by the end of the year, I would hope that he surpasses – Robert Tanyan, uh, and that's just because unless Tanyan has this breakout year that a lot of pundits seem to think that he could have, I personally don't know what there is to be overly excited about when it comes to Tanyan. He's made two plays in his career, uh, and that's awesome that he's done that. I just I need to see more before I'm going to be excited about Robert Tanyan in the NFL. Uh, but I would hope that by the end of the year that he surpasses – Tanyan as the third tight end option in the group. You know, he might get his chances. This year is very strange just because of the nature of the year. All it takes is one player to be tested positive for COVID-19, and they are out most likely for 10 to 14 days. That's two games. I I think that that gives you a pretty good glimpse into what this season could be like. Jay Sternberger is an example already. Now, we don't know whether or not he's tested positive, but he is on the COVID-19 list currently, and he was when they reported for camp. That's been almost two weeks. He's still been on that list. I think that that's all it's going to take. So this year, Andy Herman did a great piece for Packer Report and basically talked about how the depth of teams is going to matter. Who your first backup off the bench is really matters because not only do you have the normal injuries and attrition of the NFL, you also have an illness that can keep a player out for, like I mentioned before, 10 to 14 days. So Rashawn Gary taking a step as the third edge rusher matters because he's one COVID swap away from being a starter for two weeks, if not longer. And then you add in the fact that he's a turned ankle or a blown out knee or something like that, knock on wood, all that stuff, because I hate to think of Zadarius or Preston Smith being injured for a long period of time. But that's the kind of need. They're already in that spot. So when you look at DeGuara specifically, 
yeah, it's it's going to be in a perfect world, you would think kind of a red shirt season. I just don't know if that's going to be feasible because, like I mentioned, you're one swab away from being out of the lineup and inactive to in the lineup and playing a very specific role. All right. Well, Maggie, I want to finish off this discussion with the last two tight ends on the list, uh, James Looney and Evan Bayless. Um, anything, A, that you can tell us about them in general? Um, and, I mean, do they – we talk, we've, we've mentioned right now that we think that the Packers will keep four tight ends. We've already talked about the four that we think they're going to keep. Um, is there any way James Looney or Evan Bayless, I mean, uh, other than injury, make this team – um, I, and I guess how good of a chance do they have? You hate to kind of talk about it in those terms, but I mean, especially it becomes next to impossible with no preseason games. Um, and just given where they've invested in players so far, I mean, what is, what is the, what is the likelihood of these two guys making the team look like given everything going on with the current climate? Honestly, and like this is not a joke, James Looney is the reason that I was upset that training camp was uh, canceled for fans because I wanted to see what he looked like transitioning from a defensive lineman to a tight end. And, you know, Matt LaFleur has said that he dropped a significant amount of weight. You know, once we start seeing pictures kind of from them working out, we'll get a little bit of a glimpse. But and we know that, you know, he's a really athletic prospect. He had a really high RAS score. So for James Looney to make the transition from now a position of weakness for the Packers, you know, there's not a ton of depth there for them on the defensive line to tight end. That has fascinated me. And I wish that he, you know, I guess had more of a social media presence because then we could kind of get a glimpse into what that transition has been like. Um, But Evan Bayless, I think specifically intrigues me given the fact that he did get elevated to the active roster for a couple games last season uh, when Jay Sternberger got injured Um, before he was released um, to make room for, you know, additional players. But I think that he's one of those guys that you would probably keep on your practice squad. And, you know, Jacob talked about the healthiest rosters will likely make it the farthest or the players that have, or the teams that have, you know, the best depth. So when you have a guy like Evan Bayless, who's been on the practice squad for a couple seasons, has played in a couple regular season games for the Packers, he's the kind of person that you would expect to be on that expanded practice squad now because he's, he's, you know, familiar with the playbook. He's familiar with the offense. He's familiar even to some extent, I guess, with Aaron Rodgers and the scout team. So he would make the most sense to me as somebody who would stick around as that kind of guy that you would have to call up in a pinch if something does happen to one of your key pieces, almost more at this point than a Josiah DeGuara solely because of the fact that he's been acclimated in the offense quite a bit. But Obviously, the Packers aren't getting rid of Josiah DeGuara, and he's not going to be a practice squad guy as a third rounder. So just kind of that's my rationale for thinking that a player like Evan Bayless makes a lot of sense and would likely stick as a practice squad guy. All right. Well, there you have it. Those are the six tight ends currently on the roster. Um, Not I, I don't have any inclination that they plan to add anyone at that position before the start of the season barring injury, but those are the six on the roster. Real quickly, um, I want to get both of your takes on this, and this may seem kind of like an unfair question because it hasn't been – it wasn't great last year. Um, But, Jacob, the tight end room this year as opposed to last year, is it better or worse for the Packers given that the bar was set decently low last year? 
I mentioned before the show to you, Nick. I don't, if it's worse, then damn. Like, honestly, it's hard. And I'm not trying to be a jerk or whatever, but Jimmy Graham was really bad. And he took the majority of the snaps at the tight end position. It's very similar, sorry, Maggie, to the slot receiver position where Geronimo Allison took a majority of the snaps. And to use baseball terminology, which is what I've been doing to explain this, if the Packers can get the R in war, which means replacement level value, which means just the most average league player in the league, at those two positions, their offense is infinitely better than it was a season ago because Jimmy Graham was a net negative, and so was really not just Geronimo, really anybody who played that slot receiver position, whether it was Jake Kumaro or anybody that came in after Allison wasn't able to get that job done. So I think that yeah, they're in better shape just from the standpoint of they're giving reps to somebody who's actually younger, has some legs, and some willingness in the blocking game. If you guys want to see a glimpse into Jay Sternberger's potential as a blocker, there's two games that come to mind. One against Carolina, which I think all of us were at. I don't remember if you were or not, Nick. You're kind of a party pooper. Yep. So, I was at a wedding that so Nick weekend, wasn't there. so I, I was Megan not able were, to though. be at that And the game. Seattle playoff game. And I think that just you can see things. There are certain things about being a blocker that requires certain types of attitude. And this wasn't a play where he was blocking, but Sternberger getting grabbed by the face mask by Jadeveon Clowney, getting up in his face and not backing down, that's something that I think can give you a glimpse into his nastiness as a blocker. Now, is he going to be Mercedes Lewis in the run game? Probably not. But can he be a net average or a net small positive? If the answer to that question is yes, then they're already far and away better than they were, and that doesn't even add in passing game stuff for the tight end position. So... It damn well better be a better a better group than it was a season ago. All right, and Maggie, again, bar not being set very high from last year, but do you expect this tight end room to be better than it was last year? Yeah, and I mean, I think a large part of that is if you replace um, Jimmy Graham's numbers and you give those numbers to Jay Sternberger, it's pretty much better. You know what I mean? Like he had like 470 yards, a couple touchdowns, that would be significant improvement for Jay Sternberger going into year two. And then you would have the development of Josiah DeGuara. Um, You would hope that Robert Tanyan develops a little bit. Mercedes Lewis might have a touchdown. I don't think his numbers are going to look much different than last year. But yeah, I think the development of the young guys would automatically make this a better core. Um, And I think one player to mention too, who's not technically listed as a tight end, is John Lovett, who the Packers just got from the Chiefs. I know that he's technically listed as a fullback, but you know, Matt LaFleur and some of the, a lot of what's been written about him has been the illusion of complexity that he, like Josiah DeGuara, can kind of bring to this Packers offense, whether he's, you know, also an H back or he plays in the slot, however they plan to use him. So I know he's not technically a tight end, but he was another name that came to mind as kind of a position versatile player um, that could serve a, a role on this offense. All right, well, there you have it, the tight end room for the 2020 Packers. Obviously a position that uh, if we had preseason, we'd probably be keeping a very close eye on uh, with the development of some of these names that we've talked about. But nonetheless, it'll be a position just to keep an eye on as the season uh, gets underway here in, what, about a month from today? today I think is somewhere within that ballpark um we're like 29 30 days away from the season so not that far away uh which is exciting uh given you know everything that's been going on the last six months at this point I think it is now something like that so um 
it's something to look forward to. And again, tight end position, something to keep an eye on. And I, I tend to agree with both Jacob and Maggie. I, I agree with you guys, I, especially the way Jacob put it. Like it's really hard to imagine this group being worse than it was last year. So, um, but with that, just keep an eye on it this season. It'll be interesting. It'll be fun. And just looking forward to football, as I'm sure all of you listening are very excited to watch. So real quickly, before we wrap up, uh, Jacob, Maggie, real quickly, Jacob, people want to follow you, get in touch with your work. How do they do that? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Westendorf, and I really haven't been all that busy the last month of work. Oh, yeah, there's this new website. It's called Game On Wisconsin, at Game On Wisconsin. And we tweet, Facebook, we have live streams. We are all sorts of fun. And I have the best team in the world. So I am very excited about that. And if you want to catch some writing stuff too, over at Pack Report, which is at Pack Report 66. All right. And Maggie, people want to get in touch with you, follow your work. How do they do that? I feel so busy <laughs> all the time. And she it is. is number one when I say best team in the world. Maggie's number one, even though I said she wasn't my favorite. Or I was going to say he's only saying that because I called him out earlier. But yeah, so you can find me uh, two times a week for Cheesehead TV, uh, writing two articles. I obviously do pack a day once a week. I have packs that she said with Perry Goldstein uh, that comes out later in the week. And on Mondays I have uh, game on Wisconsin. We have a live show called happy hour that goes live six o'clock Lambo time, uh, bring an alcoholic beverage or not. I mean, it doesn't have to be alcoholic and come ask us some Packers questions for an hour. And I'm also moving. I'm going to be teaching in the fall. Uh, you know, just the grind never stops, I guess. Yeah. All that. And, and a complete <laughs> full-time job. I mean, I don't know. And then there's Nick. Yeah, and then there's then there is me. (laughs) And there is me. I just I just I go to work and I do this once a week and I don't have Twitter and (laughs) as we talked before the show, I I technically And and whenever Jacob has a please help me. Yes, yes, I do I do do that. I am what, on call I suppose with Jacob's uh, editing needs for certain things. So uh, but with that, thank you so much for listening, everyone. It's been, it was great having the full team back again this week. It's been a couple of weeks since we've had that. So um, with that, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Stay positive. The season's right around the corner. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks for listening, everyone. And as always, Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go!